Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Only God could rescue me. Only God could set me free. Only God. Only God. Only God. Hello, welcome to Only God Rescued Me. And today I am very happy to bring to you Coach Sandra. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. Appreciate the opportunity to come on board and do this podcast. It's very happy to have you here today. And we're going to start with prayer. Cardio was here last time and she reminded me that I don't do prayer on camera. Usually we do it off camera. So I'm trying to do that on camera as well. So Abba Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness in the land of the living. We give this testimony to you, and it's only because the redemptive power of Jesus that you can take us out of the depths of evil and save us and deliver us and heal us and bring us to the place where we are today. And we give you all the glory that Sandra is sitting here, and we just thank you for her life, and I just thank you for healing her and blessing her giving her the ability to write this book. And Lord, I just ask that you would just bring her peace today as she tells her story. And Lord, just bring the people to hear it that need to hear this today. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sandra, I've known you for a while, and I have really enjoyed being your friend and mm -hmm. watching you through this journey of writing the book because it is not easy to do. Absolutely. Actually, you were the one that inspired me to write not only this book, but the devotional that I did as well. So very appreciative for your support. You've got two books out within a few months of each other, which is highly unusual. The first one was a devotional. It was a devotional, Healing from Abuse and Trauma, a 14-day, uh, it's a daily 14-day daily journal devotional. I should say that's a mouthful. And that's available on Amazon. And then um, the autobiography is written under my pen name. And that is through West Bow Press Publishing. And I'm self-published, but they helped me through the whole process. So, and it is, yeah. it's a tough process. It is not easy to write an autobiography. No, it took me about 25 years to do it. Because when I would start, I would be in a very good place until I got into another toxic, abusive relationship, which stopped the process. And so I talk about that in the book a little bit more. And I also share why it took 25 years to write. Because you very well know that when we're healing, there'll be times where we do want to write. And then there will be times we just, to process what we went through, especially in autobiography, we have to stop and heal a little bit before we go on again which was my, my journey. Yep. You're right. And then you put it down for weeks at a time. Yeah. 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 I had writer's block for so many years uh, at a time. And then I would go into this massive amount of just 
being able to write, it usually was when I was out of a toxic relationship and I was having the Lord just download a lot to me. And then I'd write and write and write. And then I'd have to put it down again, because in the background that I come from, I was with addict abusers. So they were addicted to some form of vice and they abused me for it. But I went through so much of that along with the SRA, the satanic ritual abuse popping up, which you helped me work through that it was just a, a roller coaster of a ride for me. And I think that many survivors go through that, not just with satanic ritual abuse, but any form of trauma and abuse. And so we're here finally at the end of it. And I'm still whirling with, how did I write that? Because when I read it, I, I still weep because it's like, how did I endure what I went through? And yet I know that there are other people who have gone through so much more than me. And yet I always remember that I don't need to minimize my own pain and compare it to others because we tend to do that. So here we are with two books later, um, still spinning as to the mercy and grace of God every morning to get up because I should be in an insane asylum and I should be dead. So you very well know the tragedy of what satanic ritual abuse does. And you are very instrumental in helping me work through those triggers of when I first had a memory and then I got into therapy to work through that. I did EMDR, I did IFS, I did a lot of forms of different therapies. Um, and then being a life coach myself, um, God was just merciful in bringing the right people into my life. And I'm grateful for that. So let's back up. Let's start at the beginning of your story. So you grew up in what kind of a family? What, you know, were you a church going family? I grew up in a Puerto Rican, Spaniard, Filipino household. My father was 100% Puerto Rican. My mother was Spaniard and Filipino. We came into the Catholic background, um, which then made it very easy for the cult that we were in called the Santeria to integrate itself into our lives. Um, but no, we, we were not a... a very religious home. It was a home of abuse, alcoholism, and just a lot of chaos. Um, then when I became more aware of what was going on in my life, when my parents divorced, I became a Christian at 17, but I had been satanically, ritualistically abused from 10 years old to 17 in this cult that we thought was part of an okay religion until things started happening that kind of made my my mom see that this was not healthy my sister became a believer and she prayed us all out of it and then the journey began um, from one relationship to another my mother and father divorced my brother and sister kind of dispersed in their own way and I was left to be the mother and my mother became the child so I never had an opportunity to grow up and have a normal childhood. I suppressed all the memories of the abuse at that time because I didn't realize what was happening to me. And as you very well know, we kind of just cut it all off until my 50s when things started coming out. I'm 59 now. And so my home life was full of chaos, full of one broken relationship after another, full of seeing my mom never be able to regain mental balance after my 
father and her divorced um, and just basically never having a childhood. At 14, I became an adult and I ran the house and I took care of her and I took care of her till the day that she died. She never recouped and she passed away four years ago uh, from heart failure. And then I went into another journey of finding out who I am because outside of being a caretaker or somebody's wife, I didn't know who I was. I would, I would metamorphosis myself, that's a correct word, into being what everybody else wanted me to be. And then I'd stuff the abuse and I'd stuff the trauma. And I just didn't know who I was. So when my mother passed away and I went through a divorce, again, because I've been married more than once, my world came crashing down. Then COVID hit and I got it three times. So I was double quarantined at home. And that's when the journey began, because in my last marriage, I was basically left at the mercy of the church. I was abandoned. I was evicted from our home. My ex-spouse was nowhere to be found. And I had just lost my mom six months earlier. So the church came in and thankfully my spiritual children that I called them, my adoptive family took me in and they've allowed me to heal. They've allowed me to grow. They've allowed me just to find out who I am. And I'm still with them till today. And I'm now at a place where I feel that I will journey out on my own soon. But the tragedy of just losing it all, the marriage, my mother, COVID, everything I had worked so hard for, this was the fourth time I had lost it all. It was too much. And then add to the mix, the satanic ritual abuse and realizing what I had gone through. Literally, I was in therapy on a regular basis or in some form of mentoring and coaching because it was so overwhelming. I had never been alone, Lisa, from 19 to 53. I had been married or someone's caretaker or someone's employee. So who was Sandra? And so at 50, I went back to school and I got my credentials as a life coach and I began writing and I began growing and I began healing. And here we are today, a published author and a life coach with God while coaching being something that I hope will grow into something more to not help just those who have been abused, but those who have really been traumatized to a place where they never think they were going to get out of it. Because I'm living testimony, you're a living testimony that we can't. So that's how it all began. And that's kind of where I got to this place in my life right now. But in between, there was a lot of drama, trauma, abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, soul searching, um, finding out my identity in Christ, a uh, lot of suicidal thoughts. I tried to take my life at least three times. I, that's why I said I, I should be in a mental institution. And then it hit me, my first memory of being buried alive at eight years old in the cult that I was in. And you helped me walk through that. And I went into therapy saying, is this real or is this not? And so we were able to walk through that. And that's when all the memories started coming back. And where it began at four years old, being molested by an uncle, um, then the abuse that I had suppressed, where I thought it was normal, was not normal. It just came in like a, a tidal wave. Um, but I was isolated from the world because of COVID. So that's where the work began and the writing began. And am I am I one hundred percent? No, I don't think anybody ever becomes one hundred percent. I mean, it's a process. Um, I began to have dreams and in the dreams I would be ritualistically abused 
and I'd come back black and blue. And I think we talked about this a little bit. And I began to see that I was being astro projected into the second heavens by the cult that I was in. And I began the journey of finding out how to do spiritual deliverance. Dr. Scott Bitcom came into my life through you. Uh, we went into a journey of deliverance and um, I'm still on that journey. But the writing is something um, that was therapeutic for me. And as the devotional was written, and as the autobiography was written, I began to see that I was talking to myself in many areas, the parts of me that had not been integrated, the parts of me that are still being healed, the parts of me that didn't have a voice. So I would begin to write. And it was like the Lord was speaking to me through my own writings. It was like a third person and we know about parts. So the Lord began to take me onto some, some journeys of integrating them and having some prophetic dreams and having deliverance and having the reality of accepting what my life had been and then finding out who am I. So today, not only am I coach Sandra and a writer, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm the bride of, the, of King Jesus. I am learning and growing and maturing, but have I arrived? No, there'll be moments that I think I thought I was past that. And I, and I have to go back through the process and do what I coach on. And that is the dividing of the soul and spirit, the praying, the binding and loosing, the having worship, the journaling, the reality of going through the pain of what I came out of, then forgiving and releasing and surrendering and becoming one in Christ. And it's not easy, as you well know. I've had a weight issue since I was 12 years old, still dealing with that weight issue because I equated food with many things that a lot of people do when they're abused. And so that's a journey I'm on still, where I don't feel that I'm validated by what I put in my mouth because food doesn't talk back. Food's always there. Food's my comfort. And so I'm learning to overcome that. I was finally diagnosed with an eating disorder of binge, binge eating. I don't purge, but I can eat a massive amount of food at one time when I'm stressed or just mindlessly eating, um, which I finally admitted was an eating disorder. And for a coach, we don't like admitting that, but the world needs to know that coaches have problems too, and that we are just as human as anybody else, that if you cut us, we bleed that we, we, we may have the head knowledge of what we should do, but still we have to go through the process of it becoming heart knowledge. So that's a little bit of my journey that I'm still on. Um, I have also been traumatically abused in romantic relationships. And I felt that I had to marry every person that came into my life and said they loved me and wanted to marry me. Or if I felt that the relationship had gone too far, then I felt obligated to marry that individual. Thus, I've been married five times. The last two was to the same man. Four, the fourth and fifth one was to the same man. Now, mind you, were these marriages? I don't believe they were. I believe they were contracts. I believe they were demonic from the enemy, and I believe he knew how to get me um, caught up in it. So I write a chapter in my autobiography that is called The Men in My Life, and I go through each relationship on why I chose them, where I am now, how, how I healed, why would I make the mistakes of choosing the same man over and over with different faces, because they were all the same in some way, shape, or form as my mom and dad were. 
And I didn't realize that I kept marrying my mom and dad, trying to fill the void of what I didn't get from them. Now, I don't, I don't hold resentment against them. I did. I had to work through that. I've had to forgive them and realize they did the best that they could. However, I am still angry that I didn't have a childhood, that I lost my innocence at a very young age, and that I had to go through all of this because I just wasn't parented right. And I was subjected to something I never asked for in this cult. So it's still a journey, but I'm getting there. I'm learning, I'm growing. And my writing is a tool that God uses to not only help others reading it, but also help me when I get stuck and I realize, hey, look at what he's got me through already. And I don't need to stay there. So it's amazing the different types of abuse, not just SRA, because when we, when I interview people, SRA takes the big picture, but there's so many other abuses. So alcoholism, that's huge. And then there's verbal abuse when that's there. And then there tends, you know, when you have to take care of your mom, there's neglect there because she's not taking care of you. You have to take care of her. In, in, and I think in the bio that you sent me about your book, there's listed a lot of the abuses that, you know, is in your right. life and that survivors have to go through. And a lot of times, I think in our healing journeys, when we're going to counselors, we kind of get shafted a little bit in our journey for healing because, you know, the SRA is so massive that that's what consumes our counseling appointments. But- right we really have to heal from all these other things too. And they're all massive, maybe not as big as SRA, but they are all massive things that have to be healed from. And that's difficult. So how, how does one, because you're a coach, so how does one manage healing all these areas? One day at a time, I remember having a visual of me having all these balls in the air, trying to juggle them all at one time. There were different colors and it was my life. And it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, I need you to put them all down and let's just deal with one at a time. And so the journey for me at that point was the SRA. And that's when I had to really face the reality of what I went through, what we go through. Um, people don't want to embrace it. It's so horrific. Uh, they don't want to even fathom that we could go through that. They believe it's a just, um, how would you say, a figment of our imaginations that we could go through such horrific things. But the reality is it is there and it filtered into everything else in my life. Um, how I viewed intimacy, how I viewed marriage, how I viewed being treated by men, how I viewed my parents, how I did parenting, how I lived my life, how I ate, how I dressed. It it was infiltrated into every ounce of my identity. The mind programming is still being deprogrammed today. And that becomes very, very hard for me if I don't stay very close to the Lord, because the enemy will put those tentacles in our souls. And we think it's ourselves. We you want to explain us. that mind programming a little bit? My mind programming that they got me through was that I was damaged goods and I was worthless. 
and that I needed to settle for the crumbs that were being given to me um, because my father left at a very young age. And I don't know about others, but for me, it was always brought back to what is wrong with me that he didn't stay? Um, and why is it that I keep attracting the same man thinking that I learned my lesson the last time? So the reprogramming would flip inside of me that I would draw these men who had quote potential and they were drawn to my strength and my wisdom, but they fed into the brokenness of looking for love in all the wrong places. And so therefore I wasn't healed up in that area until I dealt with my father wound. And I'm still dealing with it, with that. You helped me with that. The father wound for me was that he abandoned me. There was something wrong with me. I, I saw the abuse that took place between him and my my family and my mom, and that was normal for me. So when I got into these relationships, I just figured, well, this is just how it is until I started learning and realizing that I'm not damaged good and I'm not abusable. Jesus took all that abuse on the cross and no one should stay in an abusive relationship. But I went before the church and they, they put the institution of marriage before me, that God wanted us to stay married and that God hates divorce. And so I got a distorted message as to why these things were happening to me. And then I started learning that that was not so, that he didn't call me to stay in abusiveness. And I went through structured separations and counsel and did the work that I could. But when you're dealing with addict users who do not want to acknowledge that they have a problem, there's really nothing a woman can do other than walk away for her own sanity and safety. Because of many, many times I stayed in these relationships because I felt condemned by the church. And I'm, I, I love the church. I love the body of Christ. However, we've got some distorted thinking, distorted thinking on trauma and abuse in a relationship. And so it's not, a, it's not an easily received message. Um, so I stayed for all the reason, wrong reasons. I got into it for all the wrong reasons until I finally said enough is enough. And I need to find out who I am. And so the journey began in learning about abuse. And I went through five different types of abuse, which I talk about in my autobiography. And I talk about how I ended up getting there and how I got out of it. Because it's a mental programming that when you are abused, you're constantly told you're nothing. And basically, you're abused in such a way that it strips you of any self-esteem, any voice, any identity, and it becomes your world, it becomes your normal. And when you get strong, they beat you down again. And they do it in such a way where you think it's you, but it's not. And one day the Lord took me into the spirit and he said, I'm going to begin to remove the tentacles of the programming that you've been given when you were in this cult that you're not worthy. And in the spirit, I could see I had demonic entities assigned to me in my lineage that had like tentacles in my soul and they were downloading all the negative messages. And I could see that the Holy Spirit wanted to break through but they couldn't because I had to willfully renounce um, divorce and cleanse my bloodline. And I didn't know how to do any of that until he brought the right people. And then the tentacles began to be removed. And I began to declare and decree the appropriate things the word of God says that I am until I believed it. And when they start to rear their ugly head again, I have enough of the word and Holy Spirit in me now to be able to rise up and say, that's not the Lord. Because if it's anything negative and contrary to the love of Christ, then we have to ask ourselves, is it me? Is it the enemy? 
or is it programming? And people don't want to believe that they can be programmed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to keep you deceived to where you think it's you, but it's not. There are so many demonic triggers that I would get with a phone call or with a sound or with seeing something that I would go into zombie mode and I went into autopilot to do what this cult wanted me to do until I began to cleanse my bloodline. And it's not as hard as you think, but if you get the right tools and the right deliverance minister and the right application, really God doesn't require us to be on a couch for 10 years. Right. He can instantly heal. It just depends on what, where you're at, who you're with and what you're, you're able to handle because your parts cannot handle it all at one time. You'll go insane. He takes us layers by layers into the very crevices of our souls and our hearts. At least he did with me on what he was going to deal with, the sexual abuse, the molestation, the abandonment. If we were to go through all of that at one time, you very well know, Lisa, our, our souls, our bodies, we can't handle it. I was inflicted with so many infirmities because I had a spirit of infirmity assigned to my lineage to make the women in my family be ill, go crazy, have no voice and lose everything. And divorce was also assigned to my lineage. And that's why um, I had gone through so many. My mother, we went the same thing. Um, other family members have gone through the same thing until it said it stops with me. So here I am today, stopping that mind programming and those lies and aligning myself with who am I? Would God really bring this type of man in my life who's going to abuse me, use me, or, you know, not treat me like his son would? So these are the questions. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in a relationship already or that you're married and you see these things that you're up to, you're to go up and leave that or go get divorced. What I am saying is that through prayer, one can come to a place where the Holy Spirit will show you where the trauma and the abuse is and what you need to do for yourself to be safe because we can't control the other person. If you are in a relationship that you're already connected to and that individual is unwilling to get help, then this is where the structured separation comes in. And sometimes the Lord will say, you separate. Because I had to deprogram myself first before I could be in a relationship that was dysfunctional. And if the other individual was not willing to get the help and they were committing adultery or they were abusing or violating the covenant, then I was released to leave. Now, mind you, I never did. They all divorced me. I never divorced them. I stayed true to my covenant. They divorced me because of their addictions and because of the other women in their life. And if I can stay married to an addict abuser for all the wrong reasons, just imagine when I, I do enter into a real covenant relationship before the Lord with my mind programming all removed and me renewing my mind daily, what that covenant will look like. And many women are so abused, they don't even understand what covenant is. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep them. So mind programming is definitely something we all have to deal with, which is why the word tells us that we must renew our, our, our mind with the word of God to erase those lies. Now, one of the things that the enemy will do, and I think you know this, um, he, will, he will deal with our soul wounds. If there's a soul wound, there's demonic entities attached to it until it gets healed. Why? Because that's where he comes in. So if he can shatter us, if he can break us, if he can get us to believe things that are contrary to the word of God, he keeps us in this brain fog of dysfunctional thinking until 
we break that. And many times women who are in abusive relationships do not see the light at the end of the tunnel until they're away from their abusers. And I always healed up to a certain point when I was away from my abusers. And then when I got to the place of really crossing over um, and getting to a place where I was so, my soul was in place, another one would come in. And that was the programming. And it happened with every woman in um, my family. And I just, I said, this is, this has got to stop. So I went on the journey and wrote the book. Now I take my own advice. And am I out to make money off of this? No, I'm out to let people know, learn from my mistakes, please deprogram your mind and not listen to the lies and have an intimate relationship with the Lord so that you can truly know who you are. It'll save you a lot of heartache. So basically that's why I wrote the books. Can you tell me a little bit about Santeria? just the basics of the cult? The cult, the Santeria, is integrated into a lot of Catholicism. So a lot of people embrace it. Uh, you pray to the saints, which are demons. Uh, there's a lot of voodoo. There's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of black magic. There's a lot of white magic. And it's all through mind programming, rituals, and fear. It's all fear-based. Um, how my mother ended up getting indoctrinated to, through that is that she went through uh, a nervous breakdown and a family member introduced her to another family member who was the top witch in the area that we lived. And I write about this all in my book. And what they basically did is they preyed on her brokenness and they made money off of it because it, they teach you that if you want to be delivered, you have to pay a certain amount and you have to do all these rituals and you have to do what they tell you to do. And it's all witchcraft. Um, or, you know, you won't get what you want. It's all, uh, it's all fear-based. It's all dark magic. And it's very prominent in a lot of the areas that people would not think. And then you go into the elites, uh, partnering with the Santeria, the Illuminati, the other cultish, uh, religions, they all partner together in one way, shape or form. So with the Santeria, I was taught about animal sacrifices. I was subjected to sexual abuse. I was subjected to um, being um, verbally, emotionally, and physically abused. But they tipped that I was the next one to be on the throne as a saint because my mom had received, quote, a saint. And she was basically being groomed to be a witch. And then I was next on the throne. And at 10, they usually get you and start grooming you. And that's when it all started. And so I was subjected to all forms of mind programming, ritualistic abuse. And I write about a particular ritual that took place in my autobiography. That is the only ritual that I can really detail um, in my writings well. And when I read that account, I see how how it's all integrated through uh, palm reading, astrology, um, witchcraft, black magic, white magic. And it's all based on if you do this or if you pay that, you're going to get what you want. Now, if you look at the, the way God works, that's totally contrary. But we're so hungry for God, they put Jesus in the middle as if God would want this for you. Look, Jesus would want this for you, but it's a false Jesus. And you know about the false Jesus. And so 
in that, our ignorance for wanting what God wants through our pain, we're not seeing clearly, they manipulate and control. And I remember one situation where I first had experienced someone, I could remember the demon possession of there was a seance going on and they do a lot of tarot cards and crystal balls and stuff like that. And I remember the individual became immediately possessed and her demeanor changed, her voice changed, and she began to verbally speak prophetically a false prophecy to my mother. And demons know your past and they know what to say to get you hooked. So here my poor mother thought, you know, that this was going to come true, which it was a lie. They said, if you pay us $10,000, we're going to go in and take out all the bad and you'll have your husband back. Well, out of desperation, my mom, you know, did this. And then the witchcraft started where they began to go to the place of uh, my father's new bride and they began to ch- cut the chicken's head off put the blood put all the rituals to make her go away and they all did it in the name of god with a price tag so the somebody is basically wolves in sheep's clothing and there are a lot of people sadly within the church who practice it and they don't even know they're practicing it because they talk in demonic tongues they 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 do the praise and worship but then they go to demon church at night and then they're they're planted in churches um, to just bring division and to bring a form of deception um, mixed in with Catholicism or even Christianity, I've seen it. So if we're not discerning, they get us through the trauma and abuse that we've endured with the hope that if we do what they tell them that we'll have the desires of our hearts. So it's a very twisted message. Thank you for that. That was the most concise and clear Explanation I've ever heard of that. Thank you. So how did your mom, your your sister was the one that got you out, but how did your mom, did she ever understand that it was wrong? Did she ever She get later it? did. She later came to the Lord and she understood what was going on. Um, but there was always a part of her that stayed stuck in the Catholicism side of the occult. Because she was, now mind you, she was ritualistically trained to be, a, uh, to be a witch. And she went in for deliverance, but she wouldn't surrender her whole heart because she was broken. She never forgave my dad. She died of a broken heart. She literally did. And there was a lot of bitterness and resentment that she chose to willfully hold on to. So she could not completely be delivered. I feel like I was her covering because I took her to a place of, healing up to a certain point and then I made sure that she was cared for until she crossed over now do I believe she's in heaven today I do I believe in her own way she loved the Lord I believe she had many gifts that she passed down to me spiritually but I believe that the enemy had so much mind control on her through the bitterness and unforgiveness he was able to have legal access to keep her in that bondage so I just was the one to cover her and make her be comfortable until she crossed over and towards the end she had grown tremendously my relationship with her had healed and in the book I I write on a section of I had become my mother and I didn't even know it everything that she was I was until one day the Lord removed the shackles from my eyes and I was able to see in a mirror that if I didn't do something about these generational curses I would end up like my mother 
And I already had, I already had gone through several relationships. I had her mannerisms. I had her demeanor. I even had the bitterness that she carried towards my own father. But my love for God was so strong. My call for God on the call that God had given me was so strong. And he began to speak to me on a regular basis. Um, In my last relationship, I was separated and I immediately had an encounter of who my ex-husband was having an affair with. It was, I was in the kitchen. It was like an open vision and he showed me who this woman was and I was able to confront him on it. And he was, he was like shocked, but these are the encounters I would have supernaturally. It was tried to be distorted through witchcraft, but really those were giftings God had given to my, me, my mother, my family, that the enemy came in to steal, kill, and destroy. So now it's flipped. Now I'm exposing him. Do I get attacked? A lot. Am I victorious? Every time. Is it a struggle? Yes. But well worth it in the end if one person can learn to be free from what the enemy lies to them on. And I have a very strong message to women. We are very powerful. And if we can find out who we are in Christ and not allow our identity to be defined by a man or church or how we see ourselves, we can take the kingdom by charge. I mean, there's multitudes of women who are warriors, but their self-esteem are so broken through the trauma and abuse that they need a voice like mine to be a voice for the voiceless to say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. And I can come alongside of you and pray and work it and coach through my writings or whatever, how the Lord leads, because you can be free. When you are in that type of trauma and abuse, it's like you have a helmet on your head that is nothing but darkness protruding through your soul. And then it affects your body. And then it causes you to speak the words contrary to what God wants for you. We have power in our tongue, life and death on what we say. And I have to catch myself, but this is the phrase that I use when I know I've missed it. Father God, I repent for those negative words and I make them void in Jesus' name. And I plead the blood of Jesus over those words that none of them will come to pass because we're not perfect. We're going to speak negative things. And sometimes I forget to do that. So I do a weekly um, cleansing and I do a monthly cleansing of just going back and saying, Holy Spirit, show me the words that I've missed. And I just do kind of a blanket prayer to cover it all, to make them not come to pass. Because we do, we do have power in our, in our words. So I had been speaking death over myself for years, years and years. And that gave the enemy legal access to come in and put all these things on me. And so now I have to be mindful as to what I say. I don't want to be legalistic because a lot of people could take it to the stream. And I do believe that truth you know, taken to the extreme becomes error. However, we must acknowledge that there is power in the tongue. James talks about that. And a double-minded man or woman should never receive anything from the Lord. And the Lord kept telling me, you're double-minded. You're double-minded. You say one thing and you do another. And until I was ready to surrender to the truth of that, the devil was using my own tongue against me. So we really need to be mindful. And then the common denominator in choosing these men was me. So there was a part of me that I had to repent for putting a man before God because I chose these men. God didn't pick these men for me. I chose them. God would not pick these type of men. And I, if I had been in sync with the Lord where my healing had come first before thinking that I could be in a romantic relationship, I would have known, hey, this doesn't line up with the character of God. 
or if it is God, because no one's perfect, we need to get help to work on these areas before I entered into any form of something more serious. And in my mind, if you do anything outside of what is, quote, acceptable to God, you had to get married. It wasn't just the, if you got pregnant. If you even thought or did something, that's how mind programmed I was, that I had to go get married. So I never was on my own for very long. I always had someone right behind me um, where I didn't heal up. Now, if you ask me, do I want to get married? Someday. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Um, and I tell women, give yourself time to heal, especially if you've gone through a, an abusive relationship. But the number one thing that the world has, and I've even used it as the best way to fall out of love is to go fall in love again. But that's, again, a mind programming deception. So women, if you can hear me or see me, if you've come out of a relationship that you need to heal from, let Jesus be your bridegroom for a season. And then he'll show you what you need to do. And you won't accept the abuse because when you're healthy, you'll know, be like, uh-uh, you don't talk to me that way. You don't treat me that way. You don't ask me to compromise my virtue. You want a man of God that really is going to honor you in the Lord. And if he doesn't, then maybe you're in that man's life temporarily just to bring him to a place of knowing Christ. But that doesn't mean you have to go marry him. That's my motto to women. Don't date until you have some form of healing within yourself to where you feel okay without being in a relationship. If you feel like you always have to be in a relationship and you're not okay being alone, you're not ready for a relationship because then he'll come along when you least expect it. And you've walked on the journey with me in some of my relationships. And I finally just came to the point where I was okay being by myself. I was more productive for the Lord. I was able to um, heal more. I was able to write more. And that's where we all need to be before we jump into something as serious as marriage. It's covenant. It was to be till death do us part. So one of the mind programming lies that the enemy puts in us is that even if you're in an abusive relationship or you're married, you can never get out of that till death do you part. That's exactly where he wants you. That's a lie. You do not stay when there's abuse. And if the individual is not willing to get help, I write about this in my autobiography of what you need to do to get help because God is love. He's not going to require us to stay in a place where we're beaten up emotionally, physically, uh, mentally. And people think that once you're married, you could never experience rape in marriage. That's another form of abuse. Yes, you can. That's sexual abuse. If you're being forced to do something that you're not comfortable with, even if you're married, you're being raped. And the church does not want to hear that. And sadly, we have a lot of that. Well, you're not being raped. You're married. No, I was raped on my honeymoon the first time that I was supposed to have an intimate relationship in one of my marriages. And I felt I had to stay. And I don't even remember that marriage because I was raped continually through it. It did not last long. The sad part is he raped one of my family members and that ruined that relationship. So is that God? No, it never was God. I should have gotten out of that relationship and gotten that marriage annulled immediately. But the programming in me was, you're damaged good. You have to stay. You've made your bed. And now you're going to lie in it. Now, really, is that God? No, but I didn't know the character of God. So there you go. That was a lie. And that kept me in that marriage for six years. We were separated half of the time. 
And sadly, he not only abused me, he abused his children, he abused family members of mine. He left his mark. And I had to realize that he was a very broken man. And I, I pray for it, all of them today. I pray that they all come to the to the to the Lord, because in the end, they'll have to stand before God for what they've done. I'm not justifying what they've done. However, it releases me from being bitter and resentful to just say, Lord, even by faith, I have to forgive them when I'm hurt and angry and remember what they've done to me and my family. Because they didn't mess with just me. They messed with me and my family. And I've lost all my family because of it. I have not one family member in my life anymore because of the relationships I was in. Now, he's given me a spiritual family and an adoptive family, but it's not the same. You know, I have one child. That's it. A biological child. I have three grandchildren and they're not part of my life because of the lies that the enemy has done. But I do believe he'll redeem it someday. And they know that the door is always open. However, everybody's got free will to choose. So in my autobiography, I go into why I ended up doing what I did. I, I go through the childhood years. I go through the adult years. I go through the healing years. And I go through the end years, which is where I am at now. So who are you now? Uh, I believe that I'm a woman that the enemy wants to kill, but I'm a warrior. I'm a Vatican warrior. So I will always stand. I believe that God created me with various giftings. I have a heart for seniors. So I work in senior healthcare as it is um, on top of Godwa coaching. Um, I believe that he's created me to be a very analytical meticulous, perfectionistic person in a good way, but those were all my downfalls. I believe that who I am today is someone that can come alongside others and say, God loves you and he's going to redeem this because I'm a living testimony. I believe I'm God's mouthpiece in many areas and I believe that I'm called to teach people how to do spiritual deliverance if they've come out of any form of trauma and abuse. But most of all, at the end of the day, I am a Christ follower, I am the daughter of the most high God, and I am the bride of Jesus. That's who I am. Not even my ethnicity defines me. I am God's child, and that's where I need to have my roots. And so I evolve in that every day. Am I perfect? No. Am I going to make it um, be perfect one day? No. But as long as I have a story to tell and a message to share, then I believe I'm doing what I need to do. And so we'll see where I am in 10 years. I do believe that my latter years will be better than my former years. I do believe that I will marry someday. I do believe that he's going to give me a legacy of hope to leave to my family and my friends and those who follow me. And I do believe that he's not going to waste not one of the hurts that I've gone through, which is why God doesn't waste a hurt. Coaching is so profound for me because People become very helpless and hopeless when they come out of any form of trauma and abuse. And I don't want to stay there psychologically either. Spiritually, we've got to get to the core of it, Lisa. You know this. But um, when the enemy lies to you so much and he makes you think that it's all in your head and it's all psychological or it's just all physical, they uh, people become disillusioned with that. Because in the end, you have to go to the root of the problem, which is we we live in a body, we have a soul, but we're spirits, and that's where it starts. And so if he can keep us psyched out to thinking that it's all in the natural without tapping into the supernatural, then he's one. Because that's where he works. He works in this, he works in the um the spirit, the demonic spirit, and he keeps us 
very, very deceived. And so I'm a voice to the nations on, hey, yes, we need to deal with our, our soul and our bodies, but let's get to the root of where this legal access has been given through the demonic realm and let God come in and uproot that so that you can become all you're called to be. We're not put on this earth to do nothing. We're put on this earth to do life and to bring as many to the Lord as we can in how we do that life. And so if they can see someone like me with my background, who's overcome the shame of being married and divorced more than once, who's overcome the shame of being abused as I have, who's overcoming the shame of seeing me as someone that is still not worthy or beautiful or accomplished in anything, because I have my moments. Um, he can do it for anybody. He can. Yeah. It's just yeah. a journey. And quite a journey. Oh, yes. Quite a journey and you've done well. Thank I'm very you. proud of you. Very proud of you. Thank you. Very Thank honored you. to be your friend. Yes, you brought me through some stuff. <laughs> I need to text Lisa. <laughs> and that's what we do for each other. And you yes, do it for many. It should be. <laughs> for me, I decided uh, to not do one-on-one -on -one coaching because I found that it was not where God wanted me to be. He's led me to do more coaching through my writings and more group coaching and more coaching through speaking engagements and, and things like that. I think he's called me to the masses. Um, because I do have a boisterous voice that in one shot could deliver many. And that's what I sense he's called me to. Um, and that's what God, co God, what coaching is all about. It's, it's to go into the world and preach a gospel that maybe a lot of people may not want to hear, even the church. I'm not accepted by a lot of churches because of the stance that I've taken in staying in abusive marriage and not being able to be used in the church if you've been divorced. There's a lot of shaming that comes along with a distorted message of the gospel, but Jesus would never, I repeat, never treat us the way some of these people have treated us in the name of God. And I pray for them because they don't, they don't realize that the message is contrary to what Christ is all about, which is love. And are we condoning abusive behavior? Are we condoning addiction are we condoning a dysfunctional lifestyle no we're not but we're not saying that because of those things god is going to love us any less or we should stay in these relationships that are toxic we are saying healthy boundaries at least i'm saying healthy boundaries healthy strategies and sometimes we may need to walk away and love others from afar even our own family i had to because a lot of them sided with my ex-husband and they shamed me i remember one conversation with a family member I had just been physically abused and had to call the police. And I called them and I said, this is what's happened. And the words that came out of their mouth is, what did you do to set them off? Wow. You know, you're just like so-and-so in your family. You know, you're just like, so that's the message that I was hearing all the time. What is wrong with me? And then finally, I got really mad. And I said, this has nothing to do with me. These men were the, that way prior to me coming into our lives. I just had my man picker wrong. And it wasn't just with men, Lisa. These were toxic relationships with women, coworkers, employees. It's a vicious cycle that the enemy kept us in or kept me in. And if you're anybody out there listening to this, that you have this repetitive pattern of dysfunction in your life, that's the number one indication that spiritual deliverance is needed, psychological help is needed. I had to get on medication for a while. Uh, to work through the process. Um, and I had to get in a really good 
place in the Lord to where I'm biblically being taught, doctrinally sound, and that I am renewing my mind 24-7. When I get off of being away in that state, the mind programming comes in again, and I, I begin to operate in that old man. So it is a constant battle to keep the armor of God on, on me, and it is a constant battle to forgive those who were involved in my abuse, which ranged from family members, which ranged from coworkers, which ranged from friends who said that they were friends, but were really wolves in sheep's clothing. But the most um, that hurt me the, the most was the men that claimed to love me. They were the mm -hmm. ones that were used the most to hurt me. Yeah. And it was all some form of addiction. It was all some form of um, another person or another whole family that they had that they were lying to me about. It was abandonment. It was abuse. Uh, it was uh, mental anguish, all under the guise of that I was in a relationship maritally. They were the heads, and I needed to submit to it. That is a lie. Yeah. That is a lie. And I am praying for the church. The body of Christ needs to come up higher in what the scriptures really teach. And I even have um, a teaching that I'm going to be writing into a curriculum about what does scripture say about abuse? And you would be interesting, it, it, people would be interested to read all the scriptures that come out in the word of God, that God is so anti-abuse, verbal, mental, emotional. Proverbs has a lot to say about that. And the New Testament does too. And when we align all of those things together, you will see a balance in what God says about abuse and trauma. And so that's, that's my hope. That's my message in letting people know that you can heal. You can soar again but it's going to take some work. And the number one thing that you have to do is stop denying that there is an issue there. And that's not easy to do because Satan right. likes to keep us with blinders. So that's it in a nutshell for me. What is the name of your book? My book, my devotional journal that is written under my real name is Healing from Trauma and Abuse. Um, and it's a, it's a journal. You can find that on... Um, um, Amazon, a devotional journal, a 14 day devotional journal. And then my autobiography is God doesn't waste a hurt. And it talks about my life of trauma and abuse into victory. So that's, uh, that's, that's basically the whole nutshell of who I am. And then people can find that if you have in the show notes, I have the webpage for them to find my autobiography as well as you can go into the Am Amazon and just type in my, uh, my, my real name, which is Sandra L. Colazzo, but everybody knows me as coach Sandra or CS. And then I did my autobiography for the protection of certain people that I didn't want to hurt under Jasmine A. Mateos, which is Jen short. And anybody can find my books there or go to www.godwa.com, which is G D W A H com and you'll find that there i'm on instagram i'm on facebook and i'm now actually going to be promoting more marketing where i will have a youtube channel podcast and some more social media um things that we're doing with my marketing team for the autobiography there'll be book signings there'll be speaking engagements hopefully there'll be tv interviews um but it's all just coming out so we're just getting this all started and i'm excited to see what God's going to do. And you're my first podcast. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Wonderful. But I think the story that God has had me share will resonate not only with just women, 
but men, because men are abused too. Uh, children who have come out of living in trauma and abuse and who have had parents that have maybe walked in my shoes. Um, and my message is to help people stop that from the generations to come so that their children don't have to go through it. Right. So all that information will be in the show notes. And also, if you go to onlygodrescueme.com on the community page, there'll be um, Sandra's picture. And if you click on there, it'll take you right to Amazon so you can um, be connected to her autobiography there as well. So all those different ways to get to her book. So let us go out with the Shaking the Luciferian Prayer. So where we're seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father, the Lord God Almighty says, the time has come for the Luciferian kingdom to be shaken. We decree, let the great shaking of all who worship Lucifer begin. Your sorceries and sacrifices will not help you. Your protection is removed. Let the shaking of the Luciferian kingdom increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Thank Lisa, you. for the opportunity. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited that you have your book out. This is exciting. Yeah. So yeah. proud of you. Thank, Thank you, you for again. joining us. God bless you. All right. Only God could rescue me. Only God could set me free. Only God. Only God. Only God.